that's a growler. Welcome to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and scrutinize Beauty and the Beast, one tea-sipping minute at a time. I'm Bobby. And I'm Janae. And today we have Nathan here with us from A Goofy Movie Minute. Hey, Bobby and Janae. It's Nathan from A Goofy Movie Minute, a podcast where we do the exact same thing, but with a different movie (laughs) called A Goofy Movie. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here with us. I love that movie. It's so great. It is. It totally is. I was listening to it this morning, your podcast, and I was like, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Such a good movie. I like that movie. Well, I hope so, because you're going to be spending a lot of time talking about it. Oh, yeah. Well, I've spent so much time thinking about that movie in my life that it's it's time I I put the record down, finally finish it, and and don't need to think about it anymore. It's like cathartic. (laughs) (laughs) And y'all are... um... Towards the beginning of the movie still, right? Yes, I think we're on minute eight or nine, but we're only doing one a week because we don't want to blow through it. So it'll oh. take a little over a year to finish it. Oh, wow. Oh. Because Extremely Goofy Movie, in my opinion, doesn't have as many things to talk about, but we'll definitely do that one too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're in it for the long haul. Yeah, th- then we'll go back and do them again. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's my retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if you could find anything to talk about the second time around. Okay. Well, speaking of this movie, we are going to be talking about Minute 31, which starts off with Mrs. Potts telling Chip, now don't spill, and ends with the Beast saying, I told her to come. Mm -hmm. So, one of the first things I noticed about this minute was Belle is so graceful. Again, that ballet movement coming into play. But I really loved that she moved down to their level. Because she's sitting on the bed, and then she comes down to their level, and is on the floor with them. And I don't know if that just shows humility or compassion or what, but I think it indicates what kind of character Belle has. She's not better than the dishes. Right. One thing I was thinking is she just learned that dishes can talk. (laughs) <laughs> and she's just uh-huh. fine grabbing one through the nose and drinking out of it. <laughs> Puts its finger right in the nose. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I didn't think about that. I didn't either. That's I funny. might not feel comfortable enough to drink out of a, a living being for a while. I don't, maybe two Does second she know or they're living beings, though? Because they haven't explained that they used to be people. That's true. Have they? Well, but they, they have faces and they talk. So, I mean, I think that's that's pretty apparent that they're alive in some way. And, you know, she was, she was shocked by them when she first saw them. And Not that much, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It would have been a fun prank if the dishes told her that all dishes are alive and every <laughs> object is alive. But this is the only place where they feel comfortable coming around. So she would think it's a Toy Story situation yeah, and never say, be like, comfortable ever again. Oh, my gosh. Well, getting back to your point a little bit, Janae, about... Maybe it was Nathan's point. I don't remember. But I had a note as well that she does like come down to their level. And we've seen a little bit of that already where, you know, she usually tries to get on the same level with things. Whereas um, the Beast, so far from what we've seen of him, he's always putting his servants slash objects up to his level. So he wants them to be where he was instead of, Mm. you know, following 
Cogsworth or Lumiere around as they walked on the ground, he would pick them up and carry them with him um, so that they would be where he is. We will probably see some more of that in the future, I think. And uh, I'm not sure, but we might see that change in the beast as, uh, as we see some changes in him. I don't know. I have a lot of questions about his relationship with the, the servants. What are they? So <laughs> they all got punished for him saying no to a rose. Is that correct? Pretty much. It depends <laughs> on if you're just simply going by the movie that we have in front of us when you watch it. Yes. If you're looking at, say, the original script, or you are looking at um, the original French story written, then no. Because in those, they were a little more debaucherous or something, that they also deserve (laughs) to be enslaved? Well, in the screenplay, the original screenplay for this movie... They had originally had a completely different intro to the movie, and it was animated. It was going to be animated, and the little boy, the prince, um, basically ran into the enchantress, knocked her over, didn't know who she was, and he wouldn't apologize, and he was like, I don't have to apologize to you, I don't know who you are, but you're just an old beggar woman. And she's like, you need to apologize, and he said no. And then she transformed into the Enchantress, and she was chasing after him to curse him. And his servants stood in the way and tried to say, no, don't curse him. And that, and she said, no, he needs to learn a lesson. And they said, no, please don't. And she said, well, she didn't say anything, I guess. She turned them into <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. So that was the original screenplay version of the opening. Okay, and then in the new one, it seems like they kind of deserve it too because they're just living a crazy lifestyle. But it's always bothered me in this one that, well, first off, they're really plucky for not having anything. You know, they they can't leave. Right. You can't quit when you're a teapot. You can't just go out and get a new job. So right. they're kind of indentured servants over here. Well, they probably were that before they got transformed into objects. That's true. But I mean, they but they could go presumably work somewhere else if they were able to escape right and then next question is did they all get so they all got turned into something that's kind of related to their job but they also got turned into things that were similar to their names interesting right we haven't talked about that but i've noticed that too like mrs potts turned into a pot and then her son was named chip and he turned into a, a, a teacup but he's and then chip. cogsworth Cogsworth is turned into a clock. Lumiere is turned into a candelabra. Candlestick. (laughs) So you'd be kind of just lucky about what your name was, I guess, and what you're going to get turned into. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what the the stove's name is. Mm. That's a good question. We've got the stove. I mean, he's not till till the next minute. But then uh, the, the dresser, I think she's just called the dresser i don't know if she has a, a name wardrobe yeah wardrobe. wardrobe so back in medieval times wouldn't people be named smith or something because they were a, a blacksmith or something so maybe right. their names were related to their career already that's Ooh. why it lined up so perfectly that's possible doesn't really explain chip though no so so what is mrs potts is she like is she the kitchen lady like what is her job she made tea housekeeper <laughs> i mean usually castles or large manors 
would have, if they didn't have a lady of the house, they would have a housekeeper that managed the home when the master of the house would like leave or whatever, thinking, thinking about like Jane Eyre or something. There's a lady who will run the house. Right. I mean, I, I guess this is one of the notes I had. It's just kind of confusing because she says that she's going to go, like she has to go check on the dinner, but... Like, as far as we know, she's just the teapot and there's Lumiere, I would assume if he's the maitre d', then he's like the one who's supposed to be in charge of dinner, maybe? So I'm mm. just kind of confused. Like, is she like the head kitchen lady and she just happened to become maybe. a teapot? I don't know. She seems like a nanny. She does kind of. <laughs> so it's a little a nanny confusing. to her kids? And she definitely is, she's definitely mothering Belle in this moment. She goes oh, over yeah. to her, gives her some tea, something to calm her down. And she doesn't offer like a lot in terms of comforting words but from the expressions that we see on Belle's face they do give her a little bit of comfort her saying you know it's going to be all right or whatever it is she says Mm -hmm. that things Mm -hmm. will turn out all right and you can see Belle kind of smiles a little bit and gives her this look like okay I feel a little bit better now Uh, well I mean first of all Mrs. Potts mothers like everyone in this whole movie yeah that's true is awesome Mm -hmm. especially since Belle doesn't really have a mother so that is probably a really good relationship for her to experience. But secondly... She comforted her. Well, maybe it's just the Angela Lansbury voice. I think I'd feel comforted too. Oh, I would totally feel comforted by her. So the next thing I have is, I guess, the wardrobe. She does her little opening thing. And I believe the, <laughs> the dress she pulls out for Belle to wear, is that something that she's wearing later on? Yeah, it totally is. Okay. And you look ravishing in this one. She's so funny. <laughs> Do we see the other dresses? Like, does Belle ever wear the other two dresses? She wears one of the other ones. The green one that she wears and the pink one that she wears are both in there. I didn't recognize the other one. Well, and what she says when she opens up is, let's see what I've got in my drawers. <laughs> I love <laughs> <Yeah>. a, little, <laughs> a little saucy. Yeah. That's so funny. And then moths fly out. Because no one's gotten in her drawers for a while. <laughs> I know. And you guys know the uh, other meaning for drawers, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my first video. <laughs> I love it. She's so funny. I think I talked about, about the actress who does the voice, Joe Ann Worley, but she's so funny. A funny comedian that brought a lot to the part, I think. Yeah, she doesn't have a ton... You know, I mean, she has a substantial role, I guess, um, compared to a lot of the objects, but she doesn't have like a super huge role, but she definitely makes an impact with what she has. Oh, yeah. She was also in a goofy movie. I know. I found that out yesterday. I was Connection. like, what? <laughs> what was she? What was she in the in the goofy movie? She was Miss Maples. The Who is that? I tried to figure it out, but I couldn't well, remember who it was. We're not to that minute yet, but I'm pretty positive it's the secretary or administrative assistant to the principal who, oh, who okay. dances with Max when he gets excited. Uh, what, yeah, sir? Yeah. yeah, just from the voice. <laughs> I love it. So I looked in the other minute, you were talking about how the animate objects, some of them have faces and they were people and some of them didn't. I like that theory. It's still a little strange, though, that they're running around with like the sugar and the cream pot. And then those are just dishes. So if you're talking to them, you'd be like, yeah. what's your name? About Mrs. Potts. Well, what's that? It's Chip. That's my son. What's that? That's just, that's that's just, just cream. What are you talking about? <laughs> just the cream and sugar, honey. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. Why would they have names? <laughs> that would be really confusing. 
I've gone kind of two different ways in my theory on thinking of that recently. It's like, okay, well, one is that to sustain the curse, it's kind of like taking the energy from the people that were turned into objects and, you know, making the objects seem more like people and giving them kind of a personality. And uh, the curse is holding itself up by doing that. And the other one is that it's using up all this energy. And this is the, the, the sadder, darker one. And so the people that did have faces, you know, the, the cream and sugar did have faces, but the curse is using their energy up so much that now they're becoming more and more just normal objects. And eventually uh-huh. they'll just be unanimated normal objects because their life force has been used up. But that one makes me oh, sad. sad. Well, okay, Nathan, you've seen the new movie, right? Yes. Ugh, you're the first person on this podcast besides <laughs> me who's seen it. I saw it at the drive-in. <laughs> oh, fun. I need to go to the drive-in. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really liked it. I, I thought I thought it was really well done. Yeah. There were a couple of things from this minute that kind of made me think about that. And one of them was kind of going back, sorry to backtrack, but when Bobby was saying that, or maybe it was you, Nathan, I don't know, um, Mrs. Potts was offering hope and encouragement. And I really love the new song from the movie that Alan Menken wrote called Days in the Sun. Yes. And one of my favorite parts is the part where Belle sings, how in the midst of all this sorrow can so much love and hope endure? And I think that's something that was key to the new movie, and that probably is also applicable to this one, is that they are holding out hope. They still care about each other. They care about the beast, even though he's so beastly. And they are just hoping and enduring and trying to see the best in their situation. So I really like that. That's very true. I think the thing that the new movie does particularly well is character motivation. It adds Mm -hmm. a lot of depth to what everyone's doing and why. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's adding it based on the original text or just based on the animated one, but I I feel like I understand what the characters do and feel a lot better. Yeah. I'll see it eventually. (laughs) Well, and that's another thing. Your theory is, Bobby, is the other thing that made me think of where you said that the curse is using up their energy. And so because their life force is draining, they have less and less um, human attributes like face and stuff. And you can see that throughout the new movie is that there are these moments where like every time a petal falls or something, they like kind of stiffen up and become a little bit more thing than person Mm -hmm. Mm. so maybe that's the theory that that the new film movie makers were going with too stole my idea but either way if you get turned into an inanimate object but obviously you're animated then are the there's still other objects in the house so did they have to throw out the old wardrobe because now a person is a wardrobe? Or I mean, I know there's a lot of rooms mm. there, but it would, wouldn't it be weird to because it would be kind of like you were interacting with a with a mannequin or something all the time because it would look just like you, except it wouldn't have life in it. I never mm. thought about that. I guess I always figured, I don't know. I never even thought about that. Like what happened to the original tea set? Maybe they broke it out of jealousy because they want to be involved in the life. the only tea set. There's not enough room in this house for both of us. Speaking of breaking, if they do break, if, if the beast lost his temper and just smashed the pots, would all of them be dead? Because it would be really easy. Kind of unfortunate. <laughs> I don't know. Or if you just were clumsy, could you accidentally kill Chip? Because it seems like he already <laughs> got damaged. So uh, Rick Ingham, he was on the podcast a few weeks ago. He posted on our Facebook a link to a bunch of little, like, 
comic drawings on Instagram or something. And one of them was really sad. And it was when they all turned back into humans. And then you have like Mrs. Potts and she's holding Chip and he's got like his head split open. And she's like, no, Chip, no, no. And, uh, made me sad. That's so sad. <laughs> Man. Well, I mean, maybe that's why he spent so much time in his room, because his room is completely destroyed. The West Wing. Like, everything's ripped up and torn, and they had to say, go to your room to get out all your aggressions so you don't break us. Yeah. Hmm. Also, did you guys notice that as Chip is, like, hopping out the door, he has tea splashing out of him, but it doesn't go anywhere on the floor? Oh, interesting. I didn't see that. Movie magic, I guess, but... Movie magic. I was wondering, what's the physiology of blowing bubbles into your own head? (laughs) (laughs) How does that work? That's a great question. We kind of talked about that a little bit the other day. Well, I guess it was me just putting the question out there. Because when we first see him, I think he has, like, soapy water inside of the cup part of him. And he spits it out of his mouth. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, well, is the cup, like, his stomach? So you're drinking out of his stomach that's like open Ew. to the air or like, Ooh. how does that work? So Chip <laughs> yeah. is, a, is a weird one. <laughs> Movie magic. Movie magic, guys. <laughs> well, in this case, it's actual magic. <laughs> Jumping around again. I was wondering how all those dresses fit Belle perfectly. Were they exactly her size just waiting for her? Were they, do they have like sewing machines somewhere in the castle that used to be seamstresses that fixed them so they fit or like and my other question was who did that room belong to before the spell was cast was it like his mom his sister an aunt just a random room that they kept for women who came to stay at the castle like i don't know (laughs) okay well this has nothing i mean i guess it has something to do with it but totally different movie i saw just the other day is a different Beauty and the Beast from 2014 that is a French version. It's on Netflix, or at least it was when we made this recording. And in that version, which I think is truer to the original story, but I haven't read the original story, so I'm not sure. She goes and she's in the room of Beast's first wife. Oh. So. What? First wife? Yeah. Wasn't yeah, he in that like movie. A kid, though? Well, in the movie, uh, he's a kid. In the original yeah. story, he's an adult, I think. Uh-huh. In this movie, the, the 2014 French version, he's an adult and he has a wife and then he's like obsessed with hunting this like golden deer and she's trying to get him to stop because he's always gone hunting the deer and he's like, well, then you give me a son, then I'll stop hunting the deer. Uh. And so then she's like, hey, I'm pregnant. But then he goes out and hunts one more time or something and he catches the deer and shoots it. And then it turns out it's his wife who is like the wood nymph of the area or something and wanted what? to experience love like a human so he killed his wife and then oh my gosh like that's definitely not part of the original story i can tell you that oh (laughs) that's sad (laughs) yeah why couldn't she just tell him who she was that's what my wife said she said in here like in every movie the the problem is always communication like people just (laughs) won't communicate hey i'm the deer you're hunting stop trying to kill me I feel that it would be in your best interest to avoid killing the deer because it's me. Because it's me. <laughs> it represents my life and also is physically me as well. <laughs> so just stop it. But for this movie, it's probably just a room that they have. I mean, it's a castle. They have lots of rooms, lots of 
wardrobes and stuff that are probably all full of clothes. They just were very rich and very opulent. And if we look at the time period, we know that royalty in the time period, which is the like year 1782, I'm going to go ahead and Ish. officially say what? this is like 1782 is the year. Yes. Oh, because of your theory of who the prince was. Okay. Because yeah. of who the prince was and because of the wine bottles with corks in them. This has got to be 1782. And I want to give them a few years of happiness before the French Revolution, before, you know, that happens. Oh, yeah. So because of that, I mean, there was huge amounts of opulence with the uh, the royalty in France at that time. So it's not surprising that they have a big room just ready for whoever to come, full of dresses and stuff. So huh. That's my theory. Okay. I bet wardrobe is prides herself in being able to pick out just the perfect outfit, too. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And then I don't know anything about dresses, but didn't dresses back then, like, they were all, like, laced together and stuff? So, like, you put them on and then you, like, laced them up and, like, made them fit by by tying the laces and stuff? Oh, yeah. Mm. But, like, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll fit because I, I've been with a couple, well, at least one of my sisters to go wedding dress shopping and she tried on dresses that had laces up the back like that. And just because they lace up the back does not mean they fit. That's true. But yep. but that was a good idea, good solution. A for effort. Yeah, whatever, Janae. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Cogsworth comes in, if we're okay to move on. Yeah. yeah. Um, his... Him, 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 him. He's just like... Being all proper and uh, excuse me, <laughs> and then he has this grand announcement that dinner is served, <laughs> and his eyes do yeah. this wiggle up and down because he doesn't have eyebrows, so they used his eyes instead to make it look like his eyebrows are wiggling, but they're not. Oh wow! No, he has eyebrows up there on the top. Mm, then why would his eyes do that? His eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has eyebrows. Huh. Okay, well, but maybe I'm he blind. He has very expressive eyes as well. We, we've seen and we will see his expressive eyes. <laughs> he does eyes. have expressive eyes. But I thought it was funny that his eyes were wiggling, not like just his eyebrows. Obviously, his eyebrows don't stand out very much. So maybe they were like, <laughs> that's not distinctive enough. People will not get that he's waggling his eyebrows at her in allusion to her coming to dinner and whatever yeah they definitely blend in because his face you know is surrounded by the darker like rim of the wood on the outside of the clock so they kind of blend into the top there one thing about cogsworth is all the servants are useful kind of they they you can drink out of the teacup and dust with the duster but cogsworth can't tell time because the hands are always 435 because <laughs> it's his mustache <laughs> So he's not really good at being a clock. That's a good point. He's good at other things. He's good at other things. Um, also, I was wondering why one of the hands of the clock on his face is cut out and one isn't. I think that's so you can tell which one's the hour hand and which one's the minute hand. But that's why one is longer than the other one. Yeah, they just have to make them different. I think I've seen a clock oh. like that before. Really? With the, okay. the hollow one and the solid one? I think so. Yeah. Or maybe it's maybe just I've seen Beauty and the Beast before. <laughs> <laughs> well either way so the next thing that i have is um 
we get to see a little bit of the beast in this minute. They go into like the dining room and they have a huge spread of food on this table. Like right? that's that's a pretty nice meal there. But then Beast is just like pacing in front of this awesome fireplace and he has this growl which I don't think it's as great as some of the other growls we've heard from him. To me it kind of sounds like they just like like a ribbed tube and kind of rubbed along it and that made his growl. <laughs> but uh but I love Beast in this scene. I had two things about this little part. Well, first about the food. Um it makes sense now how they had all that food on hand later on. It was all already prepared. <sighs> and so then when she comes down and she's hungry, they're like, ah, we'll just heat it up for you. We've got it ready to go. Because there's a lot of food there. Put it in Mr. Microwave. Yeah. <sighs> My other thought during this part was that the fireplace, first of all, is so wide. It's, it's beautiful. as long as the table. That's really, really wide. S- Santa Claus could swing a cane <laughs> as he exited that fireplace. So massive. Yeah. Santa probably loved coming to that fireplace. Well, I mean, the room is huge. So yes. you've got to have a big fireplace to even try to warm it up. And then everything Maybe. in that castle. Um, I think I put this in the next minute, but everything in there is like marble. So, like, the floors are marble, the pillars are marble, there's just, there's stone in there, but it's tons of marble. And you can tell because the animators went in there and, like, marbled everything. It it actually looks, you know, correct, like marble. And marble is really cold. Even when it's not cold, it's cold. And right now, it's winter, and it's really cold outside. So, you've got to have a big fireplace to even try to keep people warm in that room. Mm Mm-hmm. Another thing I noticed about the fireplace is that there are lions on the sides of Mm -hmm. the fireplace or whatever it's called. I don't know what the side parts are called. But I thought it was interesting that there were lions there. And then when you very first see him pacing, you hear this growl that kind of, I mean, you thought it wasn't very good. But I thought it sounded like a lion maybe just because I was looking at lions by the fireplace. But (laughs) I was like, huh, that's kind of a fun detail that they put these lions in there and a little less grotesque than some of the other uh, statues that we see throughout the yeah. castle. Well, and that's kind of interesting that um, as we see Belle in the castle and her interactions with it, so far, there's only been like, I think, one time besides when she first came in. And that's when she's like, he's walking her, escorting her, that she sees like a ton of the gargoyles. And besides that, she's kind of stayed in the area's I guess the areas that the beast has let her be in or that he wants her to be in, they don't look like they're like super scary gargoyly areas. Um, her room is really nice. This dining room looks nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm guessing probably most of the other places that she's going to be in are pretty nice. So I don't know if that's like forethought on the beast part where he's like, I just want her to be in these less scary parts or, or what the deal is. But that seems to be the case to me. Good point. Yeah, it's a good observation. How did Mrs. Potts get up on that mantle? <laughs> I mean, the only logical explanation is that the beast put her up there. Gently. Good thing that pillow is down there, though, so she can get it down herself <laughs> without breaking. Yeah. That's the next minute. Oh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> Spoilers. <Okay. laughs> Every time. <laughs> I'm getting into a habit. I can't stop it. I spoil it, and then I try and fix it by saying spoilers afterwards. <laughs> My bad. 
I was going to say, you have really good eyes to see that uh, that pillow down there. <laughs> Actually, I did notice that in this minute. Because I was wondering if they put it there because later on, like, or Belle and Beast are, like, reading by the fire. And that's what I first thought. I was like, oh, did they put that there so that it would be there later when they come in after the cold and they're reading together? Hmm. But then I watched the next minute and I realized it was probably there for that reason. <laughs> I was just worried it was going to catch on fire. I know. I was thinking that too. <laughs> and on the, in the commentary, they did talk about that. They're like, you know, some of the stuff we had issues, like figuring out how it would work, especially with Ms. Potts so she, or Mrs. Potts, since she doesn't have any appendages, like how does she get around? And they specifically cited this one. They're like, you know, when she's on the mantle fireplace, we knew we wanted her to be up there and we knew we, not, we wanted her to get down. So the easiest solution was just to put in a pillow and she would jump down onto the pillow. So we put a pillow in that whole scene. <laughs> Is she married? Mrs. Pot? I don't yeah. think she's married to anyone alive. Yeah. Oh. I always got the impression that she was widowed. She's she's a single mom. Yeah. In the new movie, when when they turn back at the end, it it's revealed that she was married to someone that just was in town because in that movie they make it more yeah. like you go to work at the castle, you don't live there all the time. Hmm. Which was really weird. Or at least maybe not their whole family lived there. Right. Right. Yeah. So I remember what I was going to say about the about the characters now. And it was that um, I'm thinking for the curse to work and for like a greater punishment to be on the beast is that the rest of the people that are cursed don't necessarily age. So they might stay the same age and beast is the only one that is getting older as is, is progressing because we have to see what happens on his 21st birthday. But I feel like that would uh, help to explain why Chip is not 10 years old or whatever Mm. whenever he transforms back. And that just seems nicer. Like, okay, you guys are stuck as objects, but at least you're not going to age. So you'll live forever or whatever happens at the end of the curse. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Little little vague on that. Um, Are we ready to wrap up? Because my very last thought is about the last line. That's all I've got. Okay, um, so the very last line of this minute is, he says, I told her to cut, and, you know, it cuts off in the middle of his word. And I heard that, and he said that as if, like, why wouldn't she come? Of course she would come. I told her to come. And he's like, I don't understand why she wouldn't be here. And my thought was just, yep, and that's the problem, you dummy. You told her to come. (laughs) You didn't ask her to come. So he's got so much to learn about social interactions. But that's all. That's all I had. Beast is a dummy. Alrighty. Well, that wraps us up for this minute then. Come back when we talk about minute 32 of Beauty and the Beast. Um, until then, if you want to get a hold of us, as always, you can find us on social media. We are at Beastly Minute on Facebook and Twitter. Find our listeners group, the Beauty and the Beastly Minute listeners library, where you can have a conversation with us about whatever you want. Anything related to Beauty and the Beast, we love talking about it. And if you want to talk to Janae specifically, uh, how do you do that, Janae? You can find me on Facebook at JH Voiceover, and you can follow me there. I'm also on Twitter, or if you would like to get in touch with me directly through email, you can get a hold of me at janae.hyatt at gmail.com, J-A-N-A-Y dot H-I-A-T-T. And Nathan, if people want to hear more about a goofy movie or anything else you're involved with, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, You can download the podcast on 
a Goofy Movie Minute. It, it's on iTunes and Stitcher. You can email us at agoofymovie at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. We're at a Goofy Movie Minute. He'll be back with us, and we're excited about that. We also want to thank uh, Duo Hansen, who does our awesome intro and outro, I guess, music at the end. Definitely check them out on YouTube, and they are on Twitter as well. That's Duo Hansen. So thank you to them for uh, letting us use their music on our podcast. It's good. I know. It's so epic, right? I like that song. It's got all the feels. So until then, let's see what I got in my drawers. I'll, I'll sip an icy beverage that was making too much clanking sound for me to drink earlier. I'm keeping your bones.